after breakfast What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas It's weird brunch Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up mm-hmm. We're at a ska show now Okay what, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. what unnecessary musical instrument Would you throw into a ska band? Oh, like would I be or would I add to it? Just add to from it watching. Just from watching your triangle. Like, okay. Yeah. Whitney. I guess they already kind of have like somebody playing a stand up bass in a ska band. Right. Because I was going to say like a cello, mm-hmm. but not plucked like classical cello. That's a good one. That's just good. To I think that's a good one. Mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not already mixed enough. Yeah. Mix it up some more. Yeah. I'd like to see Double somebody Scott. try to cello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I don't even know what that was. Cello in. Stroke. Yeah. Ska beats. I think I'm going to do the theremin. Oh, oh yeah, that makes sense. And you can put it next to like that one random person who skanks on stage. Yeah, and just whatever they're doing, it makes a whistling Ugh, noise. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Which is perfect. Yeah. Well, truly, love a good none. Theremin. Whatever it is, none of it's going to be heard over the singer and the guitar player. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. I just every time I think of Sky, imagine that scene in Clueless, mm-hmm. and that's. Probably the extent of my ska knowledge, other than my sister went through a bit of a ska phase. That tr- if that I tracks, recall. yeah, <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> it does. I yeah, I did too. Yeah, yeah, mm. for a minute there, more than a minute. I I'll mean, be honest. I like that a couple real big fish songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> real that good job. Thank you. Nailed it. Um, I went kind of adjacent. I went, I did the swing thing. I got into swing a little bit. Like cherry poppin' daddies? Mm Mm-hmm. Squirrels on zippers. Mm Mm-hmm. That was very adjacent to ska at the moment. What was the other, what was the one? It was because everyone did like swing dancing classes Mm -hmm. for a while. There was that movie too that uh, there was the, not swingers obviously, but there's like people swing dancing in it and it was like making the rounds. I just remember the the mask. Mm-hmm. The mask, yeah. And the Gap commercial. The oh, Gap the commercial. Gap commercial. Mm-hmm. That's true. Brian Setzer and his entire and his orchestra. orchestra. Swing Kids. That's it. You know, I've watch never Swing heard Kids of that. like 50 times. Yeah. Nope. Yep. Swing Kids. That sounds Zoot like Suit Riot. Riot. Man, that album is filthy. And my parents what? bought it for me when I was like 11 or 12. Whoo! Some of those songs, I was like, why am I feeling so weird? Yep. And then I listened to it again semi recently and I figured it out. Swing it's, Kids. It's your sexy times music, is the <laughs> yeah. Zoot Suit Riot, Zoot Suit Riot album. <laughs> Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Yep. So Swing Kids took place in Nazi Germany, where the Swing Kids listened to banned U.S. music and fought the Nazis with their swing attitudes or whatever. (laughs) Uh, Frank Whaley, nobody remembers, but I do. Robert Sean Leonard from Dead Poets Society and the very young Christian Bale. Very young Christian Bale is very 
musical theater kid. All yeah. my yeah, that was all my musical theater friends who were straight were totally into this movie, and I just got suckered into it. Uh, Noel Wiley was in this too as a little baby. Aw, yeah, little ER boy. I was Noel. about to say Doctor. What's his name? I can't remember. Doctor Noah Wiley. Doctor Noah Wiley. <laughs> Doctor went on to be in this show called The Librarian. Yeah, The Librarian. Yeah. I thought it was plural, but I might be wrong. Doctor, not George Clooney. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's so cute. He was in Lost, right? Or wait, is no. that the different guy that just That's looks the guy like from him? Party of Five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, Noah Wiley. He was in Donnie Darko for a small role. Oh, yeah. It's been so long since I've seen Donnie Darko. Hmm. It wasn't a small role. It's the way he figured everything out. <laughs> Good Lord. He only has like three scenes, though. Well, thank God for those swing kids or else we'd all be speaking German. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's true. Save thank you, swing kids. Swing kids. Zoot suit rioting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, We're yeah. going to zoot suit riot all over this place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> We're going to crystal knock your ass out. (laughs) That was on the poster, I'm sure. It It didn't really fit. It was in smaller print. But (laughs) if you went close, we're going to crystal knock your your ass out. Uh, It's wonderful. You know what came on? I accidentally uh, pre-programmed Bob FM instead of what i wanted on my thing oh accidentally no like my radio got reset anyway i popped it on and they were playing chumbawamba and And you got knocked down i got up again and my i started going crazy singing Mm -hmm. along because that's just what you do and my kids were just like why do you like this children's song so much (laughs) oh yeah all of america fell in love with this children's song it's a great song i had that album too i i did too what else is on that album there's a song that goes chip 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 goes the water mm-hmm. that's all i remember there's another one <laughs> <laughs> i just rem- i'm pretty sure that's the song that directly follows i get knocked Tub- i think Tub- so. something yeah yes. yeah and that's the only reason i know it because i did not listen to the rest of the album i solely listened to that one song on repeat yeah i can't you can't remember any other no i just uh what was the name of the album even the tub thumping i thought was or was it self-titled pink and green yeah with the big mouth on the the baby baby face oh yeah it was called tub thumping yeah no wait oh i don't know wait they were like a crazy band. They were. <laughs> You're on Wikipedia for Chumbawamba. I'm doing it. Your I'm search learning. history. Your well, poor, poor it, search history. I always heard Sorry, that they made that, that album. a Gantt chart? Yes. Of like who was in the band. Jesus Christ. It was called Tub Thumper, the okay. album. Oh. Which is. I heard that they made, like, they were kind of like a punk rock band. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, we're going to make some out. money. Yeah. And made that song. And it. They did make a fuck ton They're of money. They're still probably it. making money. Oh, I'm sure. They were an anarchist band. Oh, yeah. even better. Yeah, right? I mean, aren't and they, they started in like the 80s. They'd been going a while. Yep. A brief history of Chumbawamba. <laughs> Frequent guests. Jimmy Echo, actually a band member's father impersonating Elvis. Oh, <laughs> oh no. That's wonderful. <sighs> Oh my god, this is so funny. Okay, so there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven people in Chumbawamba, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them are listed as vocals. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Someone's got to go. Where 
missing end <laughs> in the background. Well, you well, know, welcome to Weird else. Brunch. Yeah. Welcome to Chumba Wamba Brunch, where you can wamba all your chumbas. Oh, <laughs> gross. It does sound gross. Leave my chumbas alone. Um, I'm Whitney Lamond. I'm Lisa Friedrich. And I'm a lady. Leave my chumbas alone. Ooh. Oh, bitch. I'm Karina Maguire. She thinks she's better than us because of her chumbas. Yep. Your That's chumbas. Right. Um, well, I'm going to start my story because yeah. I don't know how long it's going to take. Hopefully not too long. It has everything Oh, You're shit. so excited because I'm very excited. There okay, some Stefan. Twists. It has this everything. story has everything. Uh, and it, I'm doing it. It's a story from Missouri, and I'm doing it because somebody messaged us on Instagram and was like, "I love your podcast," and I was like, "Oh my god, somebody likes our podcast, cool!" So she is from Missouri, and I am going to do a story about Missouri. Now we sound desperate, but that's okay. Do we? I feel like it's nice. It is nice. Everyone else is probably from Texas that's listening, I would assume. Oh, right? you want me to check that while you do your Yeah, story? check it. Tell me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see that stuff. So. <laughs> what? If you're listening, just please just, send just us a message Whitney. on Instagram. Just, tell me. I'll it do a story. I don't care. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not as famous comics like y'all i'm just a regular person um (laughs) all right so this is the story of linda lutz sherman um most people know her as linda sherman she was born uh october 19th 1958 in st louis missouri or would you say st louis what's that face Oh, and nothing. We just have three times as many listeners in Portland as we do in Austin. No shit. Yeah, so. Well, next time Portland. There's way more murders up in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so Linda Lutz, born in 1958. She's the youngest of four children, and she grows up in like a pretty good household. Nothing crazy. Uh, happy, athletic, church-going family, of course. Uh, like any good church girl, she gets knocked up at 17 by her high school sweetheart, who is named Donald Sherman. Ew. Um, Don't like both it. Both of Don, these names are awful. Don and Linda. Isn't your mom's name Linda? Just keep going with okay. this. Okay. Um, anyways, so Don's like, all right, let's get married. They get married in February of 1975. And in August, she gives da- birth to her daughter, Patricia, who they call Patty. Oh, oh man. Don, Linda, Patty, Ugh, Sherman. It's the worst way to go with Patricia. What would you do, Trisha? What would you do? I would do Trish, but that's... Trish is kind of fun. I like the name Patricia. Name, so. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, so, anyway. uh, of course, being teenagers, being newlyweds and being uh having a baby things are very rocky in the beginning years of their marriage um they both did end up graduating from high school despite having the baby in between so good for her um she's working a few part-time jobs and ends up settling into kind of like data entry 
stuff, secretarial work. And Don becomes a machinist. Um, and yeah, those are their jobs. Pretty standard. It's a Christian you Bale know? heavy podcast yeah, right? tonight. <laughs> Back when you had the same job for a long time. Um, they move next door to Linda's parents. And at the time, Linda had a couple brothers and sisters living next door as well at her parents' house. Um, her brother, Dennis, remembers that um, Don, they would argue a lot and that Don was super jealous of her and that he would get mad even when she was hanging out with her brother because he was a guy. So, okay. you know, it's her brother, but he's still a male threatening whatever okay um by october 1977 linda is filing for divorce and she wants custody of patty and she like wants the furniture out of the house and what year is this 1977 so, so two years two years after they got married popped out a kid um but she never ends up the neither one of them end up filing the like actually signing and returning the divorce papers to officially file. So in 1979, a judge is like, I'm dismissing this for failure to prosecute. They stay married uh, the same year later. They decide to reconcile and buy a house that's about 15 minutes away from where they were living before. Um, hop forward to the 1980s. Sorry for my notes. Uh, it's really I precious. Love this. this is handwritten. I I remember it better if I write it down. I'm no, trying to do that, that more. I do the so same. I'm not yeah, as, makes sense. As I don't know, whatever. Uh, 1980. Linda has a miscarriage, and she finds out it's because she's epileptic. And she start she's like been have, having seizures and stuff. And I didn't know that could kind of onset in your twenties because she's still pretty young. Yeah, in nineteen eighty, but that's hmm. what's happening. And they're like, okay, we're not going to have any more kids just to avoid anything like that. So hop forward a couple years, things are still rocky, and Linda is like, I'm moving out again fuck you, I'm taking Patty with me. And at this point, Patty is seven years old. So they move into their own apartment. And in 1982, Linda files for an order of protection against Don, her husband, because she says that he threatened her and Patty and that he tampered with her car. <laughs> she said he was... Mentally, yeah. Yeah, something in the tailpipe, maybe? Mm -hmm. <laughs> she said he was mentally unstable and that he had threatened to, like, murder-suicide her and her daughter and himself. Jeez. Um, later on, Don admitted that there was an incident with her car, but all he had done was disable it so she couldn't drive it, which That's still scary. is I fucked up. I hate that. Like, Don't no. trap people. Yeah. <laughs> So still, though, within a month of the protection order, Linda tells the judge that they're working things out and she moves back in. Linda. Um, I don't know. It sounds like kind of battered woman stuff to me. Yes. Though there isn't anything on file about her being abused physically. Uh, so we'll hop forward again to spring of 1985. 
And yet again, shit has gone down the shithole. Shit in the shithole, man. This is 85? Yeah, this is 85. Spring of 1985. Um, And Linda files for a petition for dissolution of her marriage on April 11th. Um, at this time, or this time, she didn't like move out. She's still living with Dawn when she files for this dissolution of marriage petition. Um, Dawn doesn't sign anything. He thinks that she's having an affair, of course, because he with said... With her brother? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. With co-workers, whoever, really whoever any male is. he's ever seen her with. Got it. Um, he said that she had started smoking again. Oh, no. She wasn't home when he called home every time, and that she sometimes wouldn't come directly home after work. So what a bitch! Like (laughs) Linda is just fucking sick of it. He also says that she worked briefly as a waitress and that it had changed her, like her personality, and just changed her. So on, so that was April eleventh, nineteen eighty five, when she files the dissolution. April twenty second, nineteen eighty five. Linda is recorded as signing out of her job. And this job she has right now, she's working for like a government agent, like a document filer or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, She works the night shift. She signs out at 2.16 a.m., which is pretty regular. Right. Sounds shitty, though. I feel bad for her. Yeah. Uh, So she goes. She wasn't coming home straight home at like 2.30 in the goddamn morning. I guess now I'm worried. I'm just as worried She's as Don now. Going out and partying. I like, fucking get it, Don. Or Let's wrap like, it up. <laughs> get off work. Go stay at your friend's house because you filed for divorce from your husband and you don't want to stay there. I mean, it's two thirty though. It is. Mm-hmm. So Linda signs out at two sixteen a.m. and she goes home and falls asleep on the couch. Basically, everything after two sixteen a.m. is what we know from what Don has told us. Okay. Including this fall asleep on the couch bit. Yes, including okay. the fall asleep on the couch. So Linda, usually every morning, being a good mom, would wake up anyways and take Patty to school. So sleep for a few hours, wake up, take your daughter to school. Jeez. And on the next, that particular morning, Don took Patty to school. After that, Don said that Linda went into work at 6 p.m. or left to go to work at 6 p.m. But her work says that she did not sign in and did not report to work. And that is the last that anybody ever saw or heard from Linda. Uh, Hold on. Yes. (laughs) So she signs out of work at 216 Mm -hmm. and then goes home, falls asleep on the couch, hypothetically, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't wake up to take her daughter. Right. Um, and is not seen upon the couch to be woken up. You wouldn't I wake mean, up if Dawn someone's leaving. saw her. Yeah, but you wouldn't wake up if you, like, you would hear that. I'm mad. Okay, I'm okay. sorry. Please go on. No, be mad. It's infuriating. There's just, that's like a full day of holes. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so... A full day of holes. All communication with Linda ends on April 22nd, 1985. She basically was calling her sister Fran, 
And I love all the names. Her mm-hmm. sister Fran Daly, you know, it was the 80s. Sure. Call your sister Daly. Talk about the divorce you're about to go through. All your shit. And Fran is like, that's weird. Linda hasn't called me. Um, Dawn is... Once people figure out that she's probably missing, like this woman didn't sign into work, no one can get a hold of her. Dawn says that there's a few things missing from the house, like her overnight bag isn't there. And um, but it is different from the other two times that she actually physically left him because she usually took the furniture and like a couple other of her things. But the main part is that she didn't take Patty, her daughter, with her, which has been consistent. And, like, it's her fucking kid. She mm-hmm, took sure. her kid. So Linda's parents are like, we don't think she would leave without, without Patty. Yeah. And so Fran and her husband, Sam, Fran and Sam. God. are This is such a Missouri story. Very. <laughs> Fran and Sam are like, why isn't anybody really looking into this? Like there are cops involved and the lieutenant who is assigned the case is Lieutenant Michael Webb and he is persistent, but they're, you know, they're trying to do everything they can. So Fran and Linda or sorry, Fran and Sam, uh, Sam sees this story and it's about a guy who had been found like he had gone to the airport and he had been murdered and they had found like his remains in a car at the airport. And Sam is like, oh my God, what if something like that happened to her? This is like a couple days ago. We should go see. And so Sam and Fran jump in their car in the middle of the night and drive out to the airport and they fucking find Linda's yellow bug in the parking lot of the airport. Oh my God. The cops hadn't even thought to go out there so they call the cops uh lieutenant webb comes they open up the car there's a hat in it like her hat like she was like i don't need my hat a couple of books and they're like fuck we need to open the trunk and they get the truck open and nothing's in there okay sorry I just wanted y'all to think there would be a body in there. There's not a body in there. All right. Um, it's like when they opened what's his name's tomb thing. King Tut. No. The no. Hoffa's the oh. Geraldo thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, you're welcome. So, but still, <laughs> there's a, a ban- her abandoned car at an air at the airport. So Lieutenant Webb is like, all right, airplane people, let's talk. Um, the airport would do uh so this is 1985 everything's fucking written down the airport did notes if a car had been in the parking lot for more than 24 hours they would make a note of it and the first note (laughs) god fuck that job (laughs) yeah well the first note of that car so she went missing on april 22nd the first note they have of that car being there for more than 24 hours is on April 24th. Okay. So that's soon after more than 24 hours. Though. Yeah. Oh, well, that's true. Um, that, or, well, I guess after she was missing. Yeah. After she was missing. So there's that. Spent a night in Walmart. 
Could be. You never know. A lot of people do. Um, there was also, they also checked the airplane, all the like airlines, and nobody had a record of Linda taking any flights that day. And no one had seen her there. Well, she probably changed her dumb name. Maybe. <laughs> um, within a week <laughs> of... Mad at my mom. <laughs> within a week of Linda's disappearance, Dawn was like, oh yeah, I saw her in a van uh, with some other guy. Mm-hmm. And they were driving around and I tried to follow them, but I couldn't and I didn't get the license plate. I just see her face in the van mm-hmm. with every man. Yeah. Yeah, right. And the cops are like, well, you're fucking suspicious. But they don't have anything to pin on him. So the case goes cold. Man. Boom, boom, boom. But a year later, Don decides to file for divorce back at her. And (laughs) on reasons of abandonment. And the lawyer he gets is this guy who usually does like rape and murder cases. What? And they're like, that's kind of weird. He's like a, a heavy-duty criminal lawyer for this divorce. Right. That's like and a whole different thing. Family law is... The yeah. Lieutenant Webb is like, why did you hire this lawyer? And Don is like, I hired him because my mom used him when she was charged with murder for murdering my dad. Oh, turns out. Okay, Don. Yeah, that's naturally somebody you'd want in your life again. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's get that lawyer from that childhood drama. In 1974, six months after Linda and Don got married, Don's mom shot his dad to death in their house. Good Lord. And this lawyer got her off? Oh, yeah. (laughs) She was charged. She pled to manslaughter and served six months in jail. And that was it. Okay. So this Damn. is his lawyer. Yeah. Um, Good-ass lawyer. Yep. Don's divorce papers eventually, by 1988, end up in front of Linda's lawyer, who had been handling the divorce she wanted to file at Don. So 1988. <laughs> at Don. Sounds yes. like I'm coming for you at first Dawn. thing in the morning. 1988. <laughs> Linda's lawyer is like, I'm not consenting to this uncontested divorce because Linda is missing. She's not dead by law yet. Like, she's been missing. We're not fucking doing this. And then, of course, you know, our justice system. The year later, a judge throws out Don's divorce papers because he's like nope this is nothing and so they're still technically married in june of 1989 marriage intact a year later almost to the day june 1990 a fucking skull (gasps) appears outside of a restaurant called casa gallardo in bridgeton st louis oh i bet that restaurant's fucking terrible (laughs) oh yeah uh the skull. I'm sorry, I'm just shitting on Missouri. This you time. shouldn't be. It's where our fan is. I know. <laughs> um, okay, so these two flight attendants are eating at this restaurant, and they're by a window, and one of them looks outside, and she's like, ah, "There's a skull looking at me." So it's by the airport. Um, I I guess. I mean, if there's flight attendants in there, it. yeah, could be. Yeah. I mean, by the airport. Hmm. 
What's the name of the restaurant? Hmm. It is called Guidi de Bagno. <laughs> Guidi de Bagno's Mexican restaurant. It's called Casa Gallardo. So G A L L A R D O. Okay. And it's in it's in Bridgeton, St. Louis. Okay. I will find out its proximity to the airport. Thank you. All right. So. It has, it has one star. Oh, Fuck no. yeah, it does. How many reviews? <laughs> one. One. But oh, it was not a good one. Still. Yeah. Um, so these flight attendants look out and they're like, holy shit, there's a straight up skull outside. And the cops come and they're like, oh, this skull is. Yes, it's right next to the right airport. Right next to the airport. Yeah. Coincidence? Fuck, no, it's not a coincidence. Guess who is at the goddamn restaurant when the skull is found? No. Don Don Sherman. He is a regular at this restaurant. That's where he goes to hang out and drink and chill with his buddies. And he's like, yeah, that was a real big day at the restaurant. Everyone was freaking out over this skull. That's it. The cops don't do anything. They don't even think about it being Linda's skull. She's been missing for five years now. And why would they be like, oh, I wonder if her husband is in this restaurant. So (laughs) turns out there was a botched cemetery relocation in the area that day. What? And the cops are like, this just must be a skull that rolled away. And Um. so... (laughs) They, you know how that happens. You know, the skulls, they just roll away. They take the skull to the morgue and they're like, here is some found human remains. And the morgue's like, oh, okay, I guess we'll keep it just in case. Okay. So. Let me turn the page. By the way, Casa Gallardo is uh, permanently closed. Sorry, Casa Gallardo. Yeah. 14 months later. The Venita Park Police. So Venita Park is the like community that Linda and Dawn's house was in. Mm-hmm. And Bridgeton is near it. Mm-hmm. But the Venita Park Police get a letter that says, quote, the Bridgeton police have L. Sherman's skull. And this letter is, it's wrapped in an eight-month-old flyer from Casa Gallardo in Brighton. And it's written in, like, stamped letters. Purple stamped letters. Oh, that's nice. And Somebody went to Michael's. Probably Hobby Lobby if it's fucking Missouri. (laughs) (laughs) Lieutenant Webb. Sorry. Lieutenant Webb. We do live in Texas. You know that? <laughs> no. It's true. It's no better. It's, that's a lie. It's better. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Y'all. Y'all. Come Y'all. on now. Um, so Lieutenant Webb, the guy who has been working this case, he works for Venita Park. And that's why he never even saw anything about this random skull being discovered. And when... They get this letter. He's like, oh, my God. He calls up the Brighton or Bridgeton police. And he's like, y'all, we got to look at this skull. And he's they're like, wait, what? OK. Um, and they determine that the skull is, in fact, Linda's skull. Boom. Linda is officially dead. By this point, Patty is 16 years old. 
and she's at home when the police come and she gets her dad and her dad goes to the door and they're like, yo, Linda's dead. And um, her dad tells her, she's like, what? Why are the police here? What's going on? And he's like, they found your mother. And she like breaks down and he just goes into his room and doesn't say anything from okay. what this article says. Okay. Um, so at the time, like dirt testing, soil stuff. So the skull had clearly been buried. Like it wasn't white and shiny. It definitely had a bunch of dirt on mm-hmm. it. Um, clearly it had been like probably just a body straight up buried in the ground. And they don't really have any ways to test soil that are super good. Of uh, So they have a funeral. They bury her remain. Um, <laughs> oh, Lord. God. Yeah. And Lieutenant Webb is still kind of obsessed with the case. Um, he... It, 10 years pass and like he goes to this conference where it's the FBI and they're talking about all the new developments they've had with like zeroing in on soil, different things like that. We can test it. So they convince the family to exhume her skull and they take it out. And now it's being tested for other things just to try and narrow down to find where the rest of her body is. Mm-hmm. Because for that skull to be there means that the killer would have had to go back to the site and dig up the skull yeah, and bring it back to that fucking restaurant. And that's where it sits. That's it? It's now. Just- yeah, it's still being investigated. Don lives in the same fucking house as he had with Linda. Um, he says that he long stopped worrying about being a suspect because in 1999, when the article was written, it had been 14 years. And he was like, there's no way I'm a suspect anymore. Uh. Like, they could never... I, he didn't say like they could never pin it on me but he was just like I'm <laughs> not worried about being a suspect because why should I be because of the time frame or because he didn't fucking do it Don you dumb dick yeah you basically said you'll never catch me coppers um <laughs> yeah so Man. god it's it remains unsolved Patty is 44 years old now um but yeah wow. what's she doing she lives in Indiana. She has two kids and she's married. I don't remember what her job is, if she has a job or not. But All right. that's the story of Linda Lutz Sherman. And totally her fucking husband did it. Of and course. the fact that the skull was found at his hangout and he was there. <laughs> it just. And it when I read that, I was before. like, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> And the letter coming, like somebody, yeah, he's yeah, there just taunting. couldn't have even been like a shift change at the restaurant yeah. without somebody noticing that shit. Yeah. yeah, it's a skull staring in the window. Oh, also, way to the hide skull. the skull, Don. Yeah, I mean, real clever. Yeah. Let's put it next to a window. I mean, he clearly wanted it to be found, and I wonder if it's because he wanted to legally divorce her. I don't know. Oh my oh. god, I don't know why that, like, because that seems to be some type of motivation is he like with anybody now 
I assume. Don, we know you're listening. Just uh, yeah. shoot us a message through Instagram and let us know. <laughs> That's the only mode of <gasps> communication. What if our fan in Missouri is Don? <laughs> what if she is Don? Yeah. He's posing. Could be. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. Well, we'll have to follow this for updates then on where, yeah. the, where the dirt came from. What? what ended up with that dirt? What kind of skull dirt was it? Skull dirt. It's weird to say. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I got a bank robbery if we want to talk about yeah. that. I it, love banks. It's in China. rubbed. So it's the biggest bank robbery in Chinese history in 2007. Okay. So this was okay. in the lead up to the Olympics there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all a, remember that. A mm. small town. It's well, not a small town. Olympics. It's in a mid-sized city, especially for China. Uh, in the north of China called Handan. Three million people. Hamdan? Handan. Handan. I don't it's know. I'm not going to It's a Don-heavy episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to try to pronounce Dawn. Chinese stuff. Uh, three million people, which is a lot for America, but not much for China. Uh, about two hours north of Beijing. So the police detectives were called into the Agricultural Bank of China, which sounds like a small bank, but it's actually one of their big four. Um, with branches all over the country. I mean, that makes sense. And it's state-owned. It's an agricultural it's, country. It's the, it's the country's bank. It's like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the way they do things there. It's a rice. It's directly owned by the state. Um, so police detectives get called in because uh, the employees took them to a vault and said, hey, uh, we can't open this. Um, both the people who manage our vault left and haven't come back. Uh, so the officers are like, all right, when did that happen? Oh, two days ago. Okay. Oh, two days uh, ago. So they break open the door and they open it up and they thought they were going to find like tasered guards or like people tied up or stuff like that. But uh, everything was fine and the security cameras and everything worked fine. And uh, a lot of money was missing. And there was only one piece of physical evidence and it was a bag full of losing lottery tickets. Mm, so yes very trackable though right you can track a lotto ticket back to where it was bought well wait till you find out how many um (laughs) this is uh, yeah sorry i truly until this moment yeah did not know that the lottery as in like lotto was anywhere other than america yes I didn't know other countries were trash. Okay. Just well, kidding. China, China banned gambling during the Great Leap Forward. And so the only form of legal gambling in mainland China, you can gamble in Macau and Hong Kong, but not mainland China, is the lottery. And there's two of them. One to fund sports because it's all nationalized. So that okay. was the big lottery around the time of the Olympics. That's the main way that they were raising extra revenue to pay for the, what was it, $45 billion mm-hmm. Olympics that they threw. They um, could have just had one person, for every person from the country donate a dollar. <laughs> that's basically what the lottery was. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That checks out what I just said. Sorry. Yeah. And then another one to fund, I guess, education or something. Anyway, they're both corrupt as hell. Everybody knows it. It's it's just, you know, officials rigging the lottery and swapping prizes and printing up their own winning tickets. And it's kind of like this farce of a lottery. Um, but it's very popular um, because Chinese people want to get ahead and it's hard to do in china if you don't have connections so like the lottery is a very popular way to like try to just 
win your way into some sort of financial comfort. So let's talk about this guy named Ren Xiaofeng, who... Xiaofeng! Uh, Xiaofeng! Um, his dad was in the Communist Party and kind of gave him a leg up in the world. And he had some connections, not a lot of money, but enough connections to get Ren a job at the Agricultural Bank of China. And Ren stood out immediately because he got his job in like the 80s and early 90s before they had mechanical bill counters. And he was really fast at counting money. And they had contests to see who could count money the fastest. It's like a thing in China. And there's like different mechanisms for doing it. Mm -hmm. The reason is because their money is like um, still, it's like one, two, three, four, eight times higher than ours. It's always been about that. So like, 25 cents here is two of their yen. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of bills that they're processing. Like when you go to make a deposit, it takes it's a lot more bills than we do. So they have to count like thousands Real of bills fast. in a few minutes and get it right and then strap them and everything. So he was like amazing at it. So amazing that he was promoted to like bank manager just for his very fast fingers. Nice. Um, then 2000 and, and oh, and then, uh, he got married and had two kids, which you weren't supposed to do in China, oh, but yeah. loophole he had twins. So like, oh, you can't stop that. Yeah. You can't stop that. And yeah. so like, that's considered one of the luckiest things you can get. And it was, they were called dragon twins cause it was a boy and a girl. Ooh. Um, so like, yeah, they were like the quintessential nuclear family in a, country where that didn't happen and so everybody thought oh my god the Xiaofeng the Ren family and Xiaofeng in particular super lucky people so in 2000 that was in 2004 in 2006 uh, the Agricultural Bank of China was trying to tighten the ranks and they demoted a bunch of people out of leadership and Ren was demoted from manager to just handling the cash out of the vault well he's really good at it and they cut his salary in half Ooh. Yeah. So all of his friends were like, well, hey, you're lucky. Why don't you just play the lottery? Mm-hmm. And then if you win that, you don't have to work at all. Uh, right. You know? So he was like, okay. Uh, and he kind of got hooked, and but never won. He lost, he lost, he lost, he lost. And then he um, was just built his, his sort of resentment was building because at this time, China was exploding with wealth. And like everybody, he's handling wealthy people's money all the time. Meanwhile, he just got his salary cut and like his mm-hmm. kids are getting older and he can't feed them and like, right, whatever. So he uh, strikes up a friendship with the two vault managers and says, you know, what we should do. We should take some money from the vaults, buy lottery tickets, win more than we took, put, put the money back. back. Nobody will ever know. We'll make a profit. Very good plan. Honestly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the two vault managers were like, yeah, all right, let's give it a shot. And so uh, they did. They took out... Da, 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 da. The bank security was a joke, by the way. Like, everything everything in China is a little loosey-goosey when, when it comes to stuff like official corruption. Anyway, so they stole 100,000 yen, which is about 12 grand, divvied up the money, and um, they each went out and bought 20,000 yen worth of, so that would be, what, $5,000 worth of lottery tickets at different places, so they didn't raise suspicions. Because it's always some small-ass gas station in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yep, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where they are, Chinese middle of nowhere. 
So uh, he sits down to watch TV that night, looks down, and he had won. He didn't hit like the big jackpot, but he got 100,000 yen. So broke even no five five times what he took okay what they stole oh i thought you said he took okay oh they took it collectively but he only took 20 oh so he paid back his 20 and kept the 80 and said good luck with your 20 right That's, that was the deal like, oh okay they were just oh. you know conspiring that so but he was able to replace the entire amount mm-hmm. um and everybody else had kind of put their money back and it was like okay we did it we got it we got it you know you worked out Ren, because you're super lucky, mm-hmm. makes sense that you would win. He was like, "Cool, that was great." So let's just, we should we should do that again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they did. And this they took another hundred thousand dollars or another hundred thousand yen. This time he won again, got two hundred thousand. So Ooh. now he literally doubled the total amount they took, and he's like, "This can't fail because we're buying so many tickets. Oh, there's no way this can go wrong, right? I've won twice oh. now. We replaced the money. We just found a way to make free money." Yeah, I've been drunk in Vegas yep. too. Yep, I can win it back. All right, so they uh, unfortunately were about to do it again when Ren got demoted again. Oof. Now he no longer is taking the cash from the vault to the front. Oh. Now he is a vault manager. Oh. The bank actually made him the manager of the vault. Okay. And he's like so sad. All his family is like right. consoling him. His pay got cut again. They're like, what are you going to do? And he's just sort of like, oh, oh yeah, this sucks. No. So there's always two vault managers and both of them are needed to open the vault. He had befriended the two vault managers sure. in the previous scheme, but they were getting skittish because they weren't the ones winning, right? right. And they were like, eh, I don't know. And he was like, nothing can go wrong. So he cuts them out and just says, don't worry about it. We're done. We'll never do it again. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Uh, good luck at the new branch. I'm going to be the vault manager here. And then he arranges for someone named Ma Jing, Jing, Jing uh, who was from the country and just like a 37-year-old country boy okay. and had worked his way up like just think of a guy in overalls basically Mm -hmm. and worked his way up he's woody harrelson in cheers yes that's who i imagine he came from a town where like half of the town's last name was ma and half the town's last name was wang like it was like a real hatfield mccoy kind of like situation right and so he uh got in just because he was really really good at math and so he got a job in the bank and like got promoted his way up to the big city of handon i wish i was good at math um so ma was kind of scared of ren uh even though ma was an army vet but like ren was really charismatic and also kind of just a dick yeah well he he sounds you gotta have some balls to be like let's take a bunch of money from a vault and bet it um and ma was put on the vault right away because when he was working at his little local branch he found two hundred thousand yen uh that someone had dropped and he tracked down the owner and returned their cash so they were Aww. like, oh, you're vault manager material. Honest. He's sweet. So uh, Ren started, Neil Ma's moving to the big city. He's leaving the wife back in the small town mm-hmm. uh, to work and send money back. Ren starts taking him out partying. Turns out Ma loves partying. Oh. So he's drinking immediately after work and chain smoking, going to brothels, having parties every night. He's making $10 a day. He oh. needs some money. So Ren's like, I know how we can get some money. And he gets Ma involved. So now the two of them are in charge of the vault. 
So March 16th, two days after the two of them get in charge of the vault, they stole 50, 50 grand, which is about $6,500, just just like enough to like kind of go out and do some lottery mm-hmm. winning, right? Uh, Ren picked the numbers and went around town buying all the tickets, spreading it out and everything. And uh, he made friends with some of the lottery agents. He was like, I'll kick you back some of the commission. Like, sure. Gonna, you know, we're going to be cool. Uh, so he watches and they lose. He's like, oh, okay, we got to try again. So this time they only take out $2,000. That's not how you win. You no, gotta you got to go. Yeah, you got to bet it all, man. Lost. $2,000. Lost. $2,000. Lost. And then he's like, okay, we got to, you yeah. know, Lisa's right. I heard her voice Hell yeah. from the future. We've got Fuck to yeah. take out more. So 50000 Now the total debt is a million. Now the total debt is $2 million yet. They still haven't won anything other than like a pittance here and there. Ma's bad luck. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So he's like, you know what? The only way we can get through this is is through. We have to just mm-hmm. hit the big jackpot. The You know, some of the jackpots are six, seven, eight million. We'll still be fine. Mm-hmm. They kept on going. Um... Meanwhile, all of this money that's leaking from the bank into the lottery is starting to gain like the lottery officials' attention because they're mm-hmm. like, "Hand on Province is killing it in the lottery right. sales. Whatever you guys are doing, good job! Mm-hmm. Like you guys are really raking it in." Um, because like they used to do about five million in sales, and all of a sudden it was more like ten million that month. Oh my Ooh. god! They're like, wow. So they started taking out ads like saying, hey, we're number one in the country in lottery sales. You should join in and play. Right. (laughs) Way to go, y'all. Ren and Ma are looking at the ads like, "Uh." this is us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So they get to the point where it is now um, 33 million yen that they've stolen shit lost in the lottery jesus christ about 4.3 million dollars so even if they hit the big jackpot with all the kickbacks and everything they promised they would break barely break even so this is a month later (laughs) this is all happening in one month right so they snowballed fast um ren comes home all cranky one day and he's like okay i gotta do something about this and he plans like the ultimate kind of heist so he and ma are going to hit the vault broad daylight and just tell everybody that they're taking the money out because the local coal magnet wants to buy some property cash and they're delivering it to mm-hmm. them in cash yeah okay i'm just saying okay cool, and they're like cool, 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 cool. sounds good yep they stole 18 million yen in a single day Spent it all on lottery tickets that day. Uh-huh. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. So well, what I they mean... did was they recruited all the lottery agents in town, telling the lottery agents, "Hey, look, this local coal magnet really wants to win the lottery, mm-hmm. so he's just going to buy a shit ton of tickets." And we know this is this is regulated. You're only allowed to buy five thousand yen versus worth of tickets, but you know, can we do it for this guy? Is kind of a big deal. And they're like, "Yeah, we'll do it for that guy," because I don't know what's worse, not doing it or doing it. Yeah, we'll do right. it. And he's like, okay, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to take the money, uh, this person's money, and we're going to deposit it into your bank account. And then you can use it to just print out at cost all these lottery tickets. And the shop owner's like, yeah, 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 we'll do that. So he recruits a bunch of shop owners. They close their shops just to turn their printer on and churn out lottery tickets 24-7. Oh, my God. And then they steal the money from their branch 
put it into like an armored car and drive around to other branches of the same bank and deposit it in waves into the various lottery agents' accounts. Okay. So that the lottery agents can then just withdraw the money to pay for the lottery tickets. Mm -hmm. So they kind of launder the money through their own bank, uh, keeping some of it for themselves. Um, You got to get gas. (laughs) Yeah, you got to get gas. Um, And so at the end of the day, $18 million, broad daylight, guards and clerks and everybody just watching them saying, what you doing? Oh, big, big withdrawal. Okay, cool. Yep. Yep. Um, End of the day, uh, the lottery balls come out one by one, boom, 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 and they have some winning tickets and they count up the winning tickets furiously. I mean, this is hundreds of thousands of tickets, right? Right. All through the night. Turns out they won 98,000. Oh. <laughs> pretty much the same mid-level oh. prize that he had won the very first time. Mm-hmm. So they met outside the hospital uh, near the bank, and they were like, well. We're fucked. Guess we got to run. Yes. <laughs> and they still have 3.9 million left. Ren gave Ma 600,000, which is about 78 grand. Okay. said, good luck, buddy. This is all we have left. Ma takes off for Beijing on an overnight speed bus. She's like, I'm going to hide out at my army buddy's place in Beijing. And wait till this all blows over. Ren's like, yeah, cool. I'm going to take my 78 grand and uh, do the same. Meanwhile, he actually has 3.3 million yen. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the next morning, the lottery officials are like, dude, we had a killer night. <laughs> like, yeah. Our sales yeah. went through the, we led the like, whole. Like doubled. Holy shit. Yeah. This everyone's is got really a heart crazy. On. Everyone's wet and ready. <laughs> yeah. There's like, there's, there's bonuses going out. Everybody's like, Hell yes, yeah. you're doing it for country. I don't know what's going on in hand on, but they must really want our Olympics to be amazing. Right. This is patriotism for sure. <laughs> um, but then uh, the bank, uh, you know, opens the next morning and uh, nobody can open the vault because the two vault managers gone. fucked off with the keys. Okay. <laughs> so yep. That's they don't want to suspicious. No. They don't want to report it because they're like, oh, maybe they both got sick. I don't, you know. Like, yeah. We'll, we'll they're two good guys. So it they took know them two them. days to like figure out that they'd been robbed or whatever. During those two days, Ren sped off into the countryside um, and then ditched his car and then went to a Honda dealership and offered to buy a Honda Civic in cash okay. from the salesperson. And she was like, okay yeah 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 we can do that uh so you want to buy it in cash he's like yeah and he opens up like a bag and just got bricks of cash in it buddy and she's like okay 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 and he's like oh um so how's the crime around here and she's like oh you're a real estate investor okay yeah that makes sense yeah crime's good it's a nice neighborhood he's like Mm -hmm. okay cool they're like really hitting it off um so he's like oh okay so they're flirting he buys the car or he says i want to buy the car and she goes well you can't just give us cash we're a car dealership we have to put that in the bank and then have the bank wire it, so it's all yeah. Like, yeah 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 and he's like oh okay well what's the bank you want to use she goes well there's an agricultural bank of china just down the right street down the street and they have to go in there and he Does walks he use in it? yeah he walks in he walks up to the counter he's like yeah i'd like to make a deposit and he pulls out the car's amount of money and the teller's like, okay, and chatting him up. And he's like trying not to be seen by the security yeah. cameras. He's wearing, he puts sunglasses on. It's so hilarious. All the details I got. Because like they've got all this on security cameras I'm now. I'm sure. Uh, the teller finishes counting. And she's like, oh, will you, um, 
Will you double check my count? This is a lot of money. I want to make sure that we both agree that you've got the right amount of money here. He fast counts. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll check it. And he goes, <laughs> and fast counts it. Yep. And everybody in the bank stops what they're doing to go watch him. They're like, wow, where'd you learn to count yep. that fast? And then he's like, oh, uh, just gifted. Ah, <laughs> yeah. My skills betrayed me. This is stressing me out. <laughs> so, yeah. Um... Uh, meanwhile, the robbery hasn't broken yet because the bank has been keeping it hush hush. So mm-hmm. he gets his car, he goes home, and he goes to like this apartment he's renting. He's like, "Okay, now how the hell do I get my wife and kids? Because they're back in yep. Hendon, and I just ran, and I, I, I probably, I mean, yeah, I want them. I think I should go get them. <laughs> I em. guess, I guess, but I mean, do I need to get them? I, I don't. I mean, I've got millions of dollars, and I guess I don't have to." I mean, I guess I could do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And he spends kind of a night just thinking about his life. And the next day he's like, oh man, I can't keep this car. I went to my own bank and deposited the money back into it on security cameras. And somebody's going to notice the fast count. And that morning, of course, there's news reports about the bank robbery. He's like, oh shit, shit, shit. Mm-hmm. I'm totally burned. So he takes the car back to the car dealership. And he's like, I have to return this. I don't want this car. Right. And the same like God, damn it. car salesperson, she's like, I can't do it. And he's like, what if I gave you a $500 bribe? And she's like, no. Yeah. He's like, what of a thousand? She's like, no. And he was like, what if you have dinner with me? No. <laughs> she's oh. like, okay. Oh my God. Oh, I fucking hate this now. <laughs> yeah. So then he's like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, and then he goes home and like now he's seeing this like a nationwide manhunt, biggest bank robbery in Chinese history. And like China never repeat reports on corruption like right. in its own news media, but this time they're going whole hog. So it's like dominating Find the this fucking guy. Find these guys, yeah. So whole like, hog? Shit, yeah. Whole hog, it's a baby. Missouri, it's a Missouri I was about phrase. to say, that sounds like some Missouri <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, and they find Ma. Like, they, the tip line helps Aww. them find him. So he gets dragged out of his hole. And Poor he's already, Ma. He's already booked, and he's on the news, and Ren's like, oh, shit, 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 shit. So he, he cuts his date, and he's like, I can't. I, I don't really want to have to. I'm married. I have two kids. Sorry. I, I didn't mean to do that. But also, here's the car. Just sell it for whatever you can get for it, and I'll come get the money later. He just mm-hmm. literally like abandons the car there. <sighs> I'd be like, cool, free car. Yep. Uh, so then he goes on the run. Uh, he hires a taxi driver uh, just for like thousands of dollars to drive him to a port city on the south of China. Um and he's he hides, just panicking. He's panicking. He's going south there. He's trying to figure out, like, he's forgotten about his wife and kids. Who cares at this point? He just wants to get away with it. Um, And then he finally gets caught up with, in a long story, by, like, this cop who's, like, famous for solving big crimes. It's kind of like... Poirot! Yeah. We found you! Chinese Poirot or whatever, and he arrests him. He literally says, like, hey, you're pretty impressed that I found you. And Ren's like, yeah, whatever. Who are you? Yeah. What do you mean, man? I'm just trying to hire a fishing boat. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he and Ma go to jail and they both like write these long five page letters of confession and repentance. Right, like uh, Ren offers to like, like when you get grounded, consults mm-hmm. on the security yeah. uh, of, from internal jobs. He's like, I will help China so that this could never happen again. Mm-hmm. I throw my mercy on the motherland, blah, like blah. Frank Abagnale. Wait, who yeah. wrote that one? Ren. Okay. Ma was just like, me sorry. You know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they're like, okay, no. 
<laughs> because the thing is, and, and the other argument Ren made that they were like, no, is he's like, well, I was stealing from the state-owned bank, but it was really more of a loan. It was a personal loan mm-hmm. that I kind of made to myself. Yeah, I got and your I just personal loan right here, bitch. And I just defaulted on it. That's all. Because I was trying to pay it back. And I was trying to pay it back by buying tickets in the state-run lottery. So really, the money never left the state's hands. So you're welcome. Yeah, so I was just circulating I the money. funded the Olympics. Yeah, I was just moving it around and putting yep. it into the Olympics. And this was uh, during the Olympics, like that he was making these arguments. So I was like, oh, I've got him, you know, the, mm-hmm. the love George of country. George Stephanopoulos can come over here and hang out. Exactly. Uh, anyway, March 31st, 2008, uh, Ren and Ma were convicted of not bank robbery. Oh. They were, because they were working at a state run bank and had stolen the state's money, which is the taxpayer's money, which is, mm-hmm. the, you know, the country's money, the people's money. They were convicted of embezzlement and treason. Ooh. And they were executed. <gasps> oh, my what? God. Yeah. Oh At the no. Olympics? I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is like a couple months before the Olympics started. <laughs> they were executed. Oh, uh, no. The court sealed the records. Uh, the press was ordered to never speak of them again. And they have just already passed into like local legend. Oh, like, my God. Yeah. Never spoken of again. That's barely... Over a decade ago, like yep. barely. Yep, they're just like no. Officially, it never happened. Wow. Yeah. So that's the story of the uh, bad luck lottery. I just love that they bought eighteen million lottery tickets and did not win. That's insane. That's almost impossible. Also, like, I mean, I guess it's yeah. not. The odds are worse than eighteen million to one, but well, still, like, haven't in American lotteries haven't like some like wealthy people just pooled money together and bought a fuck ton. Like there's ways to beat it. If you have enough money, you can sort of the odds are usually hundreds of millions to one. Right. And then, so the jackpot has to be in the hundreds of millions. Right. And so your odds of actually hitting all the numbers goes up, Mm -hmm. but your odds of having to share the jackpot also go way up. Right. Because so many people are buying and then you don't have a guarantee of getting your money back. So it's always like mathematically worked out to be kind of a sucker's bet to try Mm -hmm. to just buy your way in. But I think, and isn't like the total, if you try to do every single combination, it's like a billion. Oh, it's probably more than It's way out. Yeah. Way bigger than the jackpot could ever get. Well, let's start a GoFundMe. Yeah. (laughs) We'll get upwards of thirty dollars. I mean, mm-hmm. the lottery itself is a GoFundMe for the government. It's just the government saying, "Hey, go fund this thing that we don't want to tax you for." What if we started GoFundMe to start our own lottery <gasps> so that we get funded? That would be so illegal. Patreon. <laughs> We're going to Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, speaking of a lot of money, and uh troubling relationships we'll just tie it all in here tight uh i'd like to talk about one of my favorite things in the entire fucking world which is vh1 reality tv shows from the early 2000s (laughs) um it's it's truly you know what a what a time it was a wild time to be watching uh, yeah it was the best of times and that's it really there's no worst of times (laughs) Mm. To be seen here. Um, 
Obama got elected in the middle of all of these. Like, shit is tight. Um, so I'm talking about, like, Flavor of Love, Rock of Love, and then the spinoffs, like I Love New York, which also had a spinoff of that called Real Chance of Love. There was also the spinoff of Rock of Love, Daisy of Love, and Charm School. Um, <laughs> Charm School. And out of Charm School, uh, there was a spinoff called Megan Wants a Millionaire. Oh. What? I don't remember this one at all. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a reason for that. Okay. So uh, let's talk about Megan Hauserman. Um, she was born in 1981 in Chicago, and then everything is pretty shrug. Uh, <laughs> who gives a shit until she starts her modeling career in her early 20s. Okay. So in 2006, when she's 25, uh, the week of... February 6th, that's important because the week of, she's named Playboy's Cyber Girl of the Week. Ooh, dun, dun, watch dun. out. Uh, what a there's major only, award. Only <laughs> over 50 of them a year. Um, <laughs> so she was also working with... Oh my with, God, just the, just the word Cyber Girl oh, yeah. is a time capsule. Yeah, dude. I'm still pissed that we call it Cyber Monday. Like, Cyber, cyber to me is associated specifically with sex. With sex. Like, Typed out sex. Cyber sex. Yes. yes. We're cybering. Oh, cybering was yes. such a that's such a good not only like cyber that's just also associated with not happening anymore. That was ten yeah. years ago. Stop trying no to make cyber, cyber happen, Becky. Yeah. yeah. Well, Playboy did. Um <laughs> This is and did then you look her up. Look where that's it got her. What she looks like. Okay. Yeah. She's got she boobs. looks Playboy y. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like cyber playboy, yes. not, yeah. not a <laughs> not full like, on model. Yeah, we don't need the full mm-hmm. uh, what middle of the thing? What's it called? Spread S- centerfold. Centerfold. Angel, Angel is, is a centerfold. centerfold. I almost um, said teenager is a centerfold, and I was like, that's wrong. Middle, <laughs> that middle of wrong. the thing. That's I wrong. like. I'm gonna call it a middle of the thing from now on. I really like <laughs> the middle that. of the thing. You know, the where the middle of the thing is in the middle of the thing. <laughs> um. She also worked with Benchwarmer International, which is, I Googled it. It's trading cards with hot ladies on the cards. Gross. Oh, those sell, I'm sure. That, how is that? A, uh, yep. Uh, what kind of fucking trucker <laughs> shit? Oh, no, 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 no. That is for 18-year-old boys. No, that's for 13-year-old boys. <laughs> that's for, I mean, 18-year-old 13... brothers. Sorry. Yeah. I forgot uh, about 18-year-olds. And truckers. Um <laughs> So then our girl Megan, after like right around, like literally right after this, she just jumps headfirst into the smartest motherfucking thing you can do in the early 2000s, <laughs> reality <laughs> TV. Do it. Um, so in 2007, uh, she's on season three of Beauty and the Geek. Oh, that was the best season. She wins. Uh, so in February- So they're married still, right? So she <laughs> beat a geek. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, what do you do to win there? It's where you, like, improve the geek's life, I think. Oh, God. Okay. I don't fucking know. So in February, and this is just to kind of point out who we're dealing with here. In February 2007, Hauserman revealed uh, that she would spend half uh, that she would spend her half of the money, so they split the winnings. Okay. Uh, the beauty and the geek. Um, she said, I'm going to go to Disneyland and go on vacation and get my hair done. <laughs> Lisa, that's what you would do. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> However, uh, 
That was in February 2007. In September of 2008, Hauserman was asked what she had done with the money, and she said she put all of it, $125,000, towards her mortgage. Oh, wow. Wow. So. So her. That's not expensive. Equity went way up. Well, okay. Okay. That's one way. I looked at it as, you know, she's playing a character. But yeah, we can talk about her property. No, yeah, that's true. Um, That's true. So in 2008, so 2007 was Beauty and the Geek. 2008, she's on season two of Rock of Love with Brett Michaels. Yes, Brett Mm -hmm. Michaels. He would love Cyber Babes of the Week. That's that's his speed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also in 2008, she was on I Love Money, Mm -hmm. which was another VH1 reality TV show, wherein they took contestants from these previous reality TV shows and put them in like a survivor type situation, (laughs) trying to find out which one of them loved money the most. Okay. Oh my God. To win. At the end of 2008, so this is the third motherfucking thing she's been on. She's on Rock of Love Charm School. Uh, so what this was, they took some of the girls from Rock of Love, uh, put them all in a house together. It was like Bad Girls Club. Right. Um, yeah. And Sharon Osbourne was on it. Well, Megan uh, has since slapped Sharon Osbourne with a lawsuit. Oh. Um, assumed because it was VH1. What? Like it was just a literal slap. Yeah, well, me too. I thought that's actually kind of where it comes from because Sharon, <laughs> she made some comment about Ozzy or something. I remember seeing this, but I don't remember what happened. And Sharon just went fucking nuts and started and like pulled Megan's hair out of her head. Ooh, so Sharon. Megan went after What's Sharon. Took doggies, Sharon. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, and then in 2009, so all of this is within two years. In 2009. Yeah. This is right around Balloon Boy, too. Man, reality TV was an actual achievable career goal. Fuck. In yes, 2008. It was. I mean, it still is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but. It's not as good. It's like The Bachelor and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you get as good at gigs. That's true. And now they're only giving it to like basketball wives. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Sort of fam- like yeah. famous adjacent Housewives. people. Housewives. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. So We're- Megan Wants a Millionaire debuts um, in August of 2009, August 2nd. Um, and there were three episodes and then VH1 takes it off the air. Uh-oh. Why? August 21st, 2009. Well... On August 15th of 2009, a woman by the name of Jasmine Fiore, um, her body was discovered um, strangled and stuffed into a suitcase. Mm. Her remains had been mutilated to prevent recognition. um, And that worked. (laughs) Oh. They actually had to identify her by the... This isn't funny, Lisa. This isn't funny. This isn't funny. By the serial numbers of her breast implants. Oh, wow. Not funny. funny. I mean, just really not funny. That's just good forensic science is what that is. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I didn't know that like I have a a fucking social security number. I'm not going to go get fake tits so that there's another way the government can track me. Okay. Anyway, Um, Fiore was 28 years old at the time of her death, which... 
I mean, however ironic you want to make it is the exact same age as Megan at that time. Mm. Um, Fiore was a swimsuit model. Um, she worked as a body painted model at parties. She appeared in shows in Las Vegas casinos. She had acted in commercials for adult, adult phone lines and for bathing suits. Uh, Fiore had also obtained a real estate license and was planning to open a mm-hmm. gym and personal training center. So we know this woman. Oh, yeah. Right? We I've all met her. know this woman. Mm-hmm. So she meets a real estate investor named Ryan Jenkins at a Las Vegas casino shortly after Ryan Jenkins had completed filming Megan Wants a Millionaire. Oh. So two days later, after they meet... <laughs> Two days after they meet, on March 18th, 2009, the pair married. In Vegas? Vegas style. At the Little White Wedding Chapel. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Is that the one we went to? I believe so. All right. No, it's not, because this is on the Las Vegas Strip. Never mind. It's the famous one. That's the one we went to. But we went to the famous one. We went to a chapel where Elvis marries you. Is there only one? I feel like there has to be more than five. Yeah. (laughs) But... Anyway, I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's like a local franchise. It's like Torchies. There's a bunch of little white chapels. Probably. I don't know. We can Google it. Um, so according to court records, so they get married March 18th, 2009. According to court records, Jenkins was charged in June of 2009 in Clark County, Nevada, with, quote, battery constituting domestic violence. He had hit um, Jasmine on the arm, and he was scheduled to go to trial in December. They reconciled whatever, whatever. Um, Lisa Lapore, good name, um, that's Fiore's mother, mm-hmm. claims that the two fought frequently and uh, that Jenkins was jealous of her friendships with her ex-boyfriends, plural, Dan Jenkins, Ryan's father, said that Fiore was his son's only friend in California and that she would disappear for days at a time and lie about it to his son. So both parents are like, fuck that other one. (laughs) Uh, In addition, Lapore told the Associated Press that her daughter um, had her marriage annulled in May of 2009. Um, There are no court records of an annulment Mm. in either Nevada or Los Angeles County where they last lived. There you go. In the mic next time. Um, (laughs) Investigators reported that Jenkins and Fiore checked into La Berge Hotel in Del Mar, San Diego. La Berge. Um, On the evening of August 13th, 2009. They were uh, attending a poker tournament. It was a charity fundraiser for the Karma Foundation. And that was at the Del Mar Hilton. So it was at a different hotel, same place. Surveillance video sees Fiore and Jenkins leaving the Hilton at about 2.30 a.m. on August 14th. So they've gone to the poker tournament, had a good time. They're leaving at 2.30 a.m. The couple were later seen at the Ivy Hotel, Uh, which is a nightclub in downtown San Diego. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At around 4.30 a.m., Jenkins returns to La Berge alone. 
Fiore was not seen alive again. Um, dum, dum, dum. Mm-hmm. Jenkins left the LaBerge Hotel around 9 a.m. that day. So this motherfucker gets in at 4.30 and then leaves at 9. Okay. That's the least believable part of this entire thing. Um <laughs> Fiore's body was discovered but not identified, like I said, on August 15th at around 7 a.m. So this is about 24 hours after he leaves the hotel. Um, she, it was bad, The body was badly beaten, crushed um, oh, inside a suitcase in a dumpster in an alley in Buena Park, California. Man, wrapped in an enigma. Guy is mm-hmm. a piece of shit mm-hmm. um according to buena park police fiore's teeth and fingers had been removed before <gasps> her naked body was stuffed into a suitcase oh. to avoid her being identified or right mm-hmm. okay uh she had also been strangled authorities believed the mutilation was an attempt to impede identification on august 18th her remains so three days after they find her that's when they look at the serial numbers and are, I guess they're like, let's cut these tits open. It's not funny, it's Lisa. It's fucking god awful. It's terrible. It's not, that's, yeah, terrible. It's fucking terrible. Um, the Orange County Coroner's Office reported that Fiore had died a couple hours before her body was found, which well, it took at more than a couple was... hours to take those teeth out and take those fingernails. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I like mean, thinking about that now, just saying it just now is the first time I've thought about it. To do it, yeah. Know? But also, like you were probably removing fingernails mm-hmm. and teeth while she was alive. Oh, you know what I like? I hope not. Eesh. That's just that's the worst mean. thing I can think of. Yeah. Fiore's white Mercedes was found abandoned in a parking lot in West Hollywood, about a mile from the penthouse Fiore shared with Jenkins in Fairfax District, L.A. Police reported that there was a significant amount of blood and some evidence of hair pulling. Jenkins and Fiore uh, reported Fiore missing on August 15th at 8.55 p.m. He told police that he last saw Fiore about 8.30 p.m., um, on August 14th at their home on Edinburgh Avenue, Los Angeles, which it, how many days after when did she get discovered? She was found dead. So her body was discovered, but not identified. Right. August 15th at 7 a.m. And he reported her on the 17th. He reports her on, on the 15th oh, okay. at 8.55 p.m. and said that he saw her at 8.30 p.m. August 14th. Okay, so technically before her body was found. Correct, but af- but quite a bit after um, the last like video footage right. of her. Jenkins said they had gone to San Diego for a poker event and that after returning, she dropped him off that evening, left to do errands and never returned. Mm-hmm. At around 9 a.m. on August 16th, 2009, the day after reporting Fiore missing and after spending some time packing, Jenkins was seen leaving their penthouse for the last time. So they still haven't identified this body. Uh-huh. So he's like, all right, I reported her. I'm out. Uh, police said he then left LA and went to Nevada to pick up his speedboat. <laughs> Megan wanted a millionaire, y'all. Uh, on August 17th, when contacted by the police, 
Jenkins said he was in Utah and was headed to Canada to resolve some immigration issues. So he's Canadian? Mm-hmm. Um, on August 18th, so they had identified the body, I guess, later in the day on the 17th. So on the 18th, um, you know, they're sure of it. And the murder is, it, it's reported as a murder at that point. On the well, yeah. afternoon <laughs> of, I just took my own teeth out yes. and shoved myself in this suitcase yep. in this alley. Um, on the afternoon of August 19th, Jenkins called his father uh, from Birch Bay, who informed him that Fiore had been found murdered. So Jenkins is like off the grid. His dad tells him on the 19th. So the Whatcom <laughs> County Sheriff's Department received witness reports of Jenkins' black BMW SUV towing a boat toward Canada. <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird statement well um they later found the suv and an empty boat trailer at the marina in blaine washington the engine was still warm at the time jenkins was only a person of interest and he had not been charged but canadian authorities had been alerted to watch for him as well and then the u.s coast guard and u.s customs and border protection confirmed they had boats patrolling northwest washington waters looking for jenkins as early as august 19th so like his dad tells him and they're already out there looking um and then initial media reports said that um the U.S. Coast Guard and Canada authorities chased Jenkins' speedboat as it crossed to Point Roberts, um, and then officials later denied these reports. But that is a really fun thought. That um, is. That's very very like, Miami Vice or Hawaii Five O reboot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so on August nineteenth, I guess a lot's happening on the nineteenth. A man matching Jenkins' description was seen piloting his boat into a marina in point roberts um and then that's where his stepmother lives which is convenient uh the the mounted police uh royal canadian mounted police yeah. uh announced that they believe that he crossed into canada between august 19th and the 20th on august 20th jenkins was charged with fiore's murder and an arrest warrant was issued at about 6 p.m on august 20th jenkins arrived in a silver <clears throat> Once again, time capsule PT Cruiser <laughs> with a young blonde woman. <laughs> okay. That's fast. Yeah, at geez. the Thunderbird Motel in British Columbia. In Hope, British Columbia. I just, when I said it, I was like, wait, British Columbia is really big. The car had Alberta license plates. They pulled up beside a dumpster rather than beside the rooms, which the motel manager said was strange. Jenkins stayed in the car while the young woman uh, paid cash for three nights accommodation. The manager described the woman as attractive, about 25 to 30 years old, and very calm, making small talk while registering. Uh, the guest in the room next door said the woman stayed for about 20 minutes. Was she like cyber babe of the week hot, though? Um, I don't know. Hmm. Jenkins, so she stays with him for about 20 minutes and then leaves the motel. Okay. Um, so she he... was actually his half-sister, Elena. Oh. oh. 
The manager saw Jenkins walking outside the motel the next day, August 21st. The manager said Jenkins looked exhausted and was not recognizable from his picture on television. So this guy's face is just everywhere, but he's so fucked up about (laughs) all of this that he just doesn't even look like that, which I'm wondering how many, like how often does that happen where they're like, Check out this most wanted guy, and it's like you—he's lost fifty pounds in the last of week. Of course, because mm-hmm. the picture's always from before he pulled out someone's teeth yeah. and f- fingers. Oh, God. Um, just the worst. At eleven thirty a.m. on August twenty-third, so this—he was seen outside on the twenty-first. So at eleven thirty a.m. on August twenty-third, the couple fa- failed to check out, um, and the motel manager and his nephew. Went to the room and Jenkins is found dead. Oh. Oh, no. His body was hanging from a clothes rack by a belt. Oh, well. Um, police found a, so there wasn't like a physical suicide note, but they found one on his computer titled Last Will and Testament, <laughs> dated August 20th, 2009. Okay. The day after Jenkins' death, so uh, V8, the day after Jenkins' death, VH1 officially announced the show was canceled (laughs) and that it would not run the third season of I Love Money because he was on it. Um, And it's actually... I like that they were like waiting to see like, I don't know, maybe he'll redeem himself and we'll be able to get that third... Oh, no, killed himself. All right. um, Well, it's been... uh, We got to cancel now. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's been a week. Let's go ahead and take this off. Yeah. Um... And it, it, so some people say that he actually won that season of I Love Money, but it it can't be determined. Um, 51 Minds is the, like one of the production companies. And a spokesman for 51 Minds said that Jenkins tried to pick up his honorarium check of $5,200 <laughs> a few days before Fiore's body was discovered. Cute. Nice. Poor woman. Um, on August 27th, 2009, investigators found a storage unit full of Jenkins' belongings, including a suit clo- suitcase of clothes in Washington State. So his plan was get to this, move it over. Right. Let's go. Um, subsequently, so after all of this, it emerges that Jenkins had not only been charged with assaulting Fiore post-filming all of these things, but had been convicted two years earlier for assaulting a woman in Calgary. Oh, no. So this obviously was like, hey, VH1, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, Put this guy on a dating show. Yeah. And the incident had truly not been disclosed to VH1 or 51 Minds. Um, well, do they? Well, how disclosed. does that translate no. if it's from Canada? Exactly. So the yeah. the people that they hired to do the background checks could only do them for people within the U.S. So they outsourced someone to do a background check on him because he's from Canada. Oh. And those people sucked. Fucked right. up. Um. So he's dead. Um. He is a terrible piece of shit. And I remember when this happened, my immediate thought, because I feel close to her, was, holy shit, like, Megan, you have to be fucked up after that. Like, you have to be fucked 
up after that because he was doing good yeah in the contest like he was doing very well right um so i i don't i can't uh, it just makes me all of it makes me just sick um but maybe you're wondering what megan did after all of this shit happened yeah well she was on um so this was uh let's see august what was that 27th was the last date where this was really mentioned where they find his storage unit so uh hauserman appeared on a television program entitled sexiest women of reality tv swimsuit calendar edition okay (laughs) okay okay the program was released on DirecTV on September 1st, 2009. Oh, my God. What? That's just like... Wait, so that was film, filmed before all this? It was filmed before, but okay. still, like, That's get some fucking tact. Um, Cecile Gar and Angelique Morgan, who were um, alongside her on Rock of Love 2 and Charm School, they were also on the program. Um, in November 2009, she appeared on another direct TV program called Sexiest Women of Reality TV, Bikini Babes. More bikini stuff. I remember she's one of those people who always had the very low risest. Oh, yeah. Of lowly risen pants. Yeah. <laughs> Where the An pubic underwear. mound is oh, visible. Oh, my God. <laughs> Please don't ever say that word again. P- Jesus. Your, your reaction was, oh, oh no. Oh, oh, my God. Pubic mound. Um, on April 15th, 2010, Hauserman is arrested for driving under the influence Give that bitch a break. Like she <laughs> Let her drive has drunk. been through some shit. Um, so she also appeared on Playboy TV series Badass in 2011. So my thought maybe is that she's not as fucked up no. as maybe my little emo heart thought she was. Um, this is just something from Wikipedia, but the episode featured four models swimming topless with sharks. <laughs> Um, she also was on uh, Investigation Discovery's show True Crime with Aphrodite Jones in May 2011. All right. Um, and it was her first on-air interview about Ryan Jenkins, which, I mean, that's a year and a half. I feel like that's actually kind yeah. of respectable. Yeah. Um, the, well, the episode reenacted the events leading up to the uh, murder. Um, well, that's not um, on April 8th, 2014, Hauserman and her pet Chihuahua Lily won a trophy in the Lighthouse Point Dog Show for the category Smallest Dog. <laughs> On sept- I like that you can win that. Like <laughs> That is the opposite of a talent. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, let's go enter into a shortest boyfriend contest. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on September 4th, 2014, Hauserman gave birth to her son um, in Boca Raton, Florida, where I think she still is. And um, the her fiancé and father of her son, fian- I guess fiancé at the time, maybe, maybe they're married now, um, is a... This is the happy ending, guys. Yeah. I'm He's ready. A, I'm thrilled. Professional golfer. 
Oh, the most and boring of the rich athletes. He owns something called Fuel You Fast Incorporated. Is it um, like Red Bull? I don't know. Uh, and yeah, Darren Edward. So Megan, it seems like, got her millionaire. Um, <laughs> what is it's it? It's a gas and diesel delivery on-site generator. Oh, it's I mean, very it's Florida, not a bad idea. Very Florida thing to have. Yeah. Guess what it mostly delivers gas to? Florida. Speedboats. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they've got a good website. They yeah. probably do well. They just send gas to people who need it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's the uh, horrific story that, uh, I Welcome mean, ultimately canceled Megan once a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got to be the most. It's it, what's sad about it is that I know who remembers that show, you know? I do. I feel like the most sad part about it is the woman who was murdered. But yeah, 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 yeah. Personally. But like, if that had all happened on Survivor or even Big Brother. It'd be a story everybody right. knows. It's mm-hmm. like that that show was so obscure that this story is kind of not that well known, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, I, that's I what ratings are. Right. For you. Yeah. Maybe for watch, sure. I mean, you maybe have different tastes and <laughs> okay. what we call art. For Lisa, um, it was a huge pivotal well, moment. So, what really fucks me up here is the, the woman, Jasmine Fiore, um, she kind like, she looks like the rock of love type. yeah i looked her up she um, she does very shiny um very shiny. but she they they got married after two days and then five months later she's found dead like yeah. that's in that also what the fuck is up with canadian men just like they have to just really fuck shit up like eat people on a train or like wasn't that guy on like pcp who isn't <laughs> it was the we early 2000s right that's true we are on pcp it was right a now. post 9-11 world pre-obama everyone was fucked up <laughs> on pcp on pcp, on PCP. um yeah anyway all right well what did did we what did we learn? You're not going to get away with it, I think. Wait, I more mean, than two days. jury's a little bit out still for uh, what's his name? Oh, I I did a little bit more digging. He's dead. He if he did it, he totally got away with it. He died. Don died in the early 2000s at age 58. Uh, and of he, a guilty conscience. Yeah, right. He never. Pretty, it's pretty young. Heart pretty attack. Young. Yeah. Oh, wait. Don died in 2015. Sorry. Not early 2000s. 58. Unknown reason. Does Patty reasons. think he did it? Patty was not listed in his obituary. So oh. I wonder if they fell out because, yeah. I mean, yeah. Gotta be. Um, yep. And well, nothing ever. This That case is still un, unsolved. I guess. Uh, it's get, all you could try to get away with it i guess um marry for love <laughs> yeah. not money or watch out for the dawn that's that's all i got who wants money what was the show i love money i love money. that's what i think uh, 
what is it? it's a idiocracy oh yeah where Dak Shepard is like I like money what's weird is <laughs> that they it. canceled season three because Ryan Jenkins was on it but then they had season four <laughs> what all right yeah yeah people just love money that's true